I'm Laura Palmer, host of Island Crime. Season six, Sweethearts, is the story of three teenage girls who were all murdered in Victoria, Canada within about 12 months. So she was scared, something out there scared her. You've just created the playground where predators can really thrive. She was a 16-year-old girl. She was a sweetheart. Listen to Sweethearts at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get podcasts. Find your frequency. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production in association with City News. It's not often, in fact, it's never, that one of our episodes begins with a news clip from a Thai radio station in the city of Pattaya, literally on the other side of the world from us. But here we are. 32-year-old Jimmy Sandu was gunned down on Phuket late Friday, and CCTV shows him leaving his car, closing the door, and being gunned down within seconds before the two assailants fled after continuing to shoot the by then dead man. Our story begins with the murder of an infamous gangster who lived and worked around Vancouver for years. But that's just the beginning. The two men wanted for Jimmy Sandu's February murder are also Canadian. And by early April, one of them was in custody. The other had vanished. Nobody saw a trace of Gene Larkamp from the time the warrant for his arrest was issued in February and April 29th, when a small plane carrying four passengers crashed near Sioux Lookout, a tiny remote Ontario town. Larkamp was among the dead. So was a second fugitive running from an unrelated, we think, crime. What happened here? Who was Gene Larkamp? And how did he end up as an overseas murder suspect and a remote plane crash victim in the span of four months? Who was the man he allegedly murdered? Who was the second fugitive on the plane with him? How will this strange tale be stitched together? And what will become of the many loose threads? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Kim Bolin is the crime reporter at the Vancouver Sun. Hey, Kim. Hi. Kim, I don't mean to uh, make light of a very serious story that involves a murder and a plane crash and multiple deaths, but this is pretty wild. It is a very wild story, and it was wild uh, as of February when we had Gene Larkamp and another ex-military man named Matthew Dupre accused of flying to Thailand and gunning down a former BC gangster. So we thought it couldn't get any wilder. And then we had this mysterious plane crash in Ontario on April 29th, in which uh, one of these alleged hitmen, Gene Larkamp, as well as another BC fugitive and two young pilots all died. Why don't we rewind and sort of start uh, with one of the characters. Who was Gene Larkamp? He's still a bit of a mystery man. He was a 36-year-old. He'd served several years in the Canadian military, saw action overseas, uh, left the military about five years ago. And while he was raised in a small town in Ontario, he settled here in BC. 
He had bought a home in Trail, right on the top of a mountain. It was just kind of the most amazing view. And he was raising uh, Belgian shepherd dogs there for the last few years. He was apparently a little down on his luck. He didn't have a lot of money. And uh, the neighbors I interviewed up there a few months ago told me he really kept to himself. And suddenly he wasn't around much anymore. And uh, the next thing we heard was that he was facing these very serious allegations related to this murder of gangster Jimmy Sandu in Thailand. How does somebody go from living in a beautiful spot on top of a mountain raising puppies to being accused of uh, a murder across the world? That's the big question, isn't it? Um, You know, I've talked to some people saying that they think that You know, some military folks who see action overseas, witness a lot of violence, participate in conflict, can be deeply affected by that. Maybe they lose their sensitivity to, you know, taking another life. We don't really know. And even though there are multiple investigations ongoing, we might never get the answer to that question. I'm going to get you to talk to us about those investigations in a minute. But first... Tell me about another person who is or was Jimmy Sandu, the man uh, he allegedly killed. Jimmy Sandu was a really interesting character. I met him several times. I covered his deportation hearing back in 2015. He was a fairly young guy, grew up in Abbotsford, about an hour east of Vancouver. He was raised by his grandmother. He had been born in Punjab in India And, uh, you know, while he was here being raised by extended family, no one ever got him Canadian citizenship. Uh, So, you know, in my opinion, he really was virtually a Canadian. Uh, He is a product of our school system. As a teenager, he started getting into trouble. And as he got older, that trouble got more serious and he was gang involved. He ended up uh, sort of with uh, some local kids hooking up with the United Nations gang, one of our fairly prominent mid-level gangs here in BC. Uh, He had some serious convictions, but the most serious allegation he ended up facing was a murder charge. He had a run-in with a rival from the Red Scorpion gang, uh, and he ended up slashing uh, this fellow's throat, sort of right in a public encounter, and the Red Scorpion gang leader was killed. So he was in jail for a year awaiting trial on that charge. And what I heard was that one of the witnesses recanted, uh, didn't really want to be involved in a big gang murder trial. So the charges were eventually dropped against Jimmy Sandu. But because of his prior convictions, uh, he faced a deportation hearing. And he ended up being sent back to India in early 2016, even though he hadn't really lived there since he was a young boy. Uh, He he really tried to make his case that he was reformed uh, in front of the immigration adjudicator, was living in Edmonton, had started some businesses. He was married. His wife was very passionate about trying to keep him here in Canada. Uh, But uh, the immigration board was not swayed and he was sent back. Of course, within a short period of time, we hear that he's allegedly running, you know, major drug uh, manufacturing facilities, illicit drug manufacturing facilities in India, and he ended up being charged over there. Uh, but after he was released on bail, he he fled and uh, was with other UN gang leaders, apparently in Vietnam for a period of time, uh, but had this place he went to on the island of Phuket in Thailand. And on February 5th, just as he was arriving uh, in the parkade late at night, 
he was shot to death. The whole thing was captured on surveillance video. These hooded killers, you know, pulling up and uh, shooting him and then off they ran. Uh, so very, very dramatic and uh, not really a surprising end. The only surprise was that it happened overseas and not here in BC. And how did we get from this murder captured on video to uh, Gene Larkamp and uh, and another man being charged with his murder? Like, what do we know about that investigation and and the evidence they had? Well, I, you know, heard from some of my sources that a, a local Thai person uh, who was sort of linked to this on the periphery was brought in for aggressive questioning and ended up naming these two Canadians as suspects. So it was very early on that the Royal Thai Police released the names of Jean Larkamp and Matthew Dupre. Uh, they also released video of them at the airport leaving the country, but they had already left the country. So there were Interpol provisional arrest warrants issued for both these Canadians. Uh, we know that Dupre was arrested at his Sylvan Lake, Alberta home on February 20th, and he remains in custody awaiting an extradition hearing. But uh, Jean Larkamp was never located. You know, everyone was trying to find Jean Larkamp. Uh, police were trying to find him. As a journalist that covers organized crime, I wanted to figure out who this guy was. So I went up to Trail in February, right after police had searched his hilltop uh, bungalow and, you know, sort of talked to neighbors, uh, you know, went to the local dog food store because I knew that he raised dogs to see what they could say. Uh, people were pretty quiet. They didn't really want to talk about this once they heard this very shocking news about his alleged link to an international assassination. Uh, the property was in disarray. There were signs that the dogs had been there fairly recently, but no dogs on site, no people on site. You know, there were a lot of old cars all over the property. You know, the door had been broken, possibly when police did their search, uh, but absolutely no sign of Gene Larkamp. And, you know, police have been looking for him ever since. In fact, just a few days before he died in this plane crash, uh, the police here in BC, along with this nonprofit group called the Bolo Program that helps search for wanted fugitives, they announced a $100,000 reward uh, for information that led to Larkamp's arrest. Well, of course, no one's uh, going to get that reward now because he was dead within a few days. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. What did you think when you heard news of this plane crash near Sioux Lookout in Ontario that had this fugitive as one of the dead? Well, you're just your reporter antennae go up and you're like, what? What happened here? How did that happen? How did he get from Trail BC to Ontario? You know, did the plane, like we got word right away the first day that the plane had 
had been in Dryden, Ontario, was flying to Marathon, Ontario. You know, I'm checking my map, you know, here as a BC resident, (laughs) not as familiar with the topography of Ontario. And, you know, I'm trying to figure out where was he going? You know, usually here, fugitives make their way across, you know, the border in BC because it's wide open, right? Right. And it's very um, wooded and... You know, so then I was trying to track where the flight had originated. I got the marks of the plane. So I was able to sort of look that up and found out that it had, in fact, left BC from a small airport south of Vancouver, the Boundary Bay Airport, on April 23rd and had slowly made its way across Canada. So, of course, that opened the possibility that Larkamp had been picked up along the way And uh, there was another fugitive from the Independent Soldiers Gang charged with conspiracy to commit murder for a Vancouver shooting who was also on the plane and who also died in the crash. So, you know, it really is a mystery uh, as to how these two men came together. Was it just an opportunity where they, you know, found out that someone was offering flights that they could take? Uh, So we still have so many unanswered questions But I believe that uh, someone locally here in the greater Vancouver area knew this young pilot was willing to offer charter flights, though I have confirmed he wasn't licensed to do that, and he managed to uh, get these two fugitives aboard that plane, likely for a fairly large exchange of cash. And the young pilot, you know, met some bad weather or for whatever reason, the plane was 55 years old. Uh, It it went down in this remote area near Sioux Lookout and everyone died. Since you just mentioned it, this was going to be my next question anyway. Can you tell me uh, about the other fugitive on that plane, Duncan Bailey? Yeah, Duncan Bailey, like I said, he grew up in Kamloops, B.C. Uh, He is someone with a long history with police. Uh, Fifteen years or so ago, he was charged in Calgary with being part of a I think at the time, the largest drug trafficking importation investigation that the province had ever seen. He was convicted of that. Fairly self-righteous fellow, you know, was the kind of guy that was filing lawsuits against, you know, federal corrections for the way he was being treated while in custody. Uh, So he got out of jail and was sort of right back at it, uh, involved in the drug trade. And then himself and another... Uh, Alberta contact of his are alleged to have received $400,000 to arrange the murder of another local drug trafficker. And uh, two hitmen went to shoot this fellow in October of 2020 at a very busy Westside Vancouver pub. Uh, The target was leaving the restaurant carrying his baby seat with his baby inside, a young toddler walking beside him. And he was shot as he came out of this pub. Amazingly, he survived that shooting, though he was murdered a few months later. But the hitmen in that case were caught right at the scene. They've recently pleaded guilty, though they haven't been sentenced yet. And uh, Duncan Bailey is allegedly one of the two people that had ordered or arranged that murder. When I began this interview saying that this was a wild story, this is the kind of stuff that I'm getting at. How do you even begin 
untangling everything that's alleged to have happened with these two men and the manhunt and the escape and one of the original suspects in in the murder in Thailand already being in custody and the second suspect in that murder being found dead in a plane with another suspected gangland killer, which I, I understand he had no prior relationship with, at least that we knew about? Well... We can't say for sure. I would assume that they wouldn't have been known to each other because, you know, Gene Larkamp is not someone that we knew had a long history with organized crime here in Canada. Right. I think he was an opportunist who got roped into something and went to Thailand and, you know, did this horrific crime there. Uh, but this is not someone who would have been hanging around in gangland, if you will, uh, he was someone that got hired to do a specific job and allegedly completed that job. So having said that, uh, Jimmy Sandu was with the United Nations gang. The United Nations gang has a lot of enemies, uh, both here in Canada and internationally. And one of the groups that would be a rival to the UN gang is the Independent Soldiers. And the Independent Soldiers is part of a coalition called the Wolf Pack gang coalition, uh, and there, that broader coalition is also a big opponent of the UN gang. So, you know, it is possible that uh, the people who hired Larkamp, you know, would have been, you know, connected to Duncan Bailey and his criminal organization as well. So what happens now? Um, I guess police are still trying to, to figure out what made the plane crash and and how they ended up there? Um, I guess I'll first ask this. Do we know anything at all about Gene's movements between uh, when he became wanted in February and when this plane crashed? Like, that's a long time. It is a long time. I was told that he had fairly good survival skills. There was some uh, thought that he was, you know, living in the wilderness, but clearly he was still in connection to some people because he ended up on this plane, right? So. You know, there there's a lot of speculation. I've had people reach out to me saying, well, I saw him in Alberta, you know, at this hotel at this time. I had a conversation with him and I reported it to police, right? So, you know, if he was near the BC-Alberta border, you know, sort of in and out of motels, crashing uh, through contacts, uh, potentially getting help from the people who hired him, uh you know, then it it kind of makes sense, right? I, I'm still not totally sure where they would have been headed. You know, I have heard that there are places on the Great Lakes where it's not that hard to cross into the United States. Mm -hmm. Maybe he thought that, you know, things were too hot for him here in BC and that he was better off to try and move eastward before making his way south. Uh, we just don't really know that. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of mystery surrounding that. I have been in touch with family members of uh, Larkamps, and uh, they had not heard from him at all. Um, you know, they're upset about the publicity, obviously, surrounding this case. And, you know, police are trying to figure out how these guys booked the flight. The plane that crashed is owned by a woman who lives here in Richmond, B.C., she lived at the same address as the pilot. You know, whether they were roommates, we don't really know or involved um, otherwise. 
But, you know, the, we have the Transportation Safety Board doing, you know, their investigation into specifically what made that plane crash. Uh, the OPP is investigating, you know, any kind of criminal element to how these guys ended up on the plane. And then here in BC, our anti-gang agency continues to have an ongoing investigation into any elements of the crime uh, of Jimmy Sandu's murder that occurred here in Canada. You know, if there was a, a plot, for example, that was hatched here, uh, where mm-hmm. these guys were hired potentially to go over there, well, that would be a crime committed in Canada in violation of our criminal code. So that par- that investigation was ongoing even before this crash, and it will continue. My last question, um, I know for crime reporters, Many, many, many of the cases you cover, you know, the mystery is in whether or not uh, police will manage to get a conviction or a guilty plea or whatever. This case is so different. Where does it rank in terms of your career uh, as like a genuine mystery? Like there's so much here that that just seems impossible to solve. I think we'll end up getting some answers. I mean, you never get the answers about why, you know, when uh, someone's convicted, all the evidence comes out in court, you know, a jury or judge convicts them. Sometimes they plead guilty, but you only ever get bits of the puzzle. You don't really get why they did what they did, what motivated them, what was going through their mind. Uh, So I find that many big gang cases, particularly murder conspiracies, Uh, have a lot of unanswered questions in them. And, you know, as journalists, we always try to get into that gray area and figure out what really happened, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, this one is really, really extraordinary uh, because you have, you know, two separate murder plots. Uh, You have, you know, and just the whole thing where, you know, ex-Canadian military end up being accused of flying to another country to do uh, an an execution of someone, right? It's it's very shocking. And I think, you know, even if Matthew Dupre ends up getting extradited to Thailand and gets convicted, we're still probably not going to know who hired him, who hired Larkamp, what, what the motivation was to go and take out Sandu, who hadn't lived in Canada for six years at the time, but was still considered very influential. So the international components you know, the crazy tragedy of this plane crashing, Uh, you know, two young pilots, right, that were just starting out their careers who, you know, perhaps made just a foolish decision because they were offered a lot of money. You know, they're dead too, right? And uh, their families are obviously pretty devastated about what happened. So, yeah, it ranks pretty high on, you know, the scale of bizarre stories I've covered in almost 40 years on the job. Kim, thank you so much for walking us through this. It, it truly is remarkable. Thanks very much for having me, and hopefully I'll get a few more answers before this is over. Kim Bolin of the Vancouver Sun. That was The Big Story. For more from us, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. Find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. Talk to us whenever you like to via email, hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. And on the phone, via a one-way conversation, you can leave us a voice message. The number is 416-935-5935. We want two things from you if you call. You can either ask us a question, anything at all, 
about this show, or you can pass along a story idea. I guess you can also compliment us if you want. The Big Story is available wherever you get podcasts. That includes listening to us via web browser the old school way on Chrome, on Safari, probably works on Netscape if you've got that kind of machine. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. We'll talk Monday. Hi there. I'm Gavin Crawford. I'm a writer, an actor, and a comedian. And for the last eight or nine years, I have been navigating life with my mother's increasing dementia. Has it been sad? Yeah. Has it been funny? Also, yeah. That's what my brand new podcast series, Let's Not Be Kidding, is about. It's the true story of my life as a comedian, my mom, and dementia. Let's Not Be Kidding, with me, Gavin Crawford. A new seven-part series from CBC Podcasts, available now.